Hello, dear listener, and welcome to Friendings. My name is Sabina, and I'm here to take a look at the end of friendships, how that loss is experienced, grieved, and made sense of over time. It's not something we tend to talk about, and I'd like to change that. Hello, and welcome back to Friendings. I am so happy to have my second guest on the show. This is a good friend of mine, and she is a hell of a talker. So I reckon <laughs> uh, she's going to tell us a really interesting story today, and I can't wait to hear it. So over to you. I'll let her introduce herself and then talk about her friend. Thank you, Sabina. Uh, my name's Kessia. I think actually Sabina was there when this friending happened. It's a bit of a different type of friending it's a loss at a different level okay I just I wasn't actually there though was I? no no you yeah, physically weren't there but yeah we were in each other's lives we were in each other's lives yes and it was actually quite earlier on mm. I didn't know you that well but I think I started to I thought this girl's all right mm. and have we remind me because have we spoken about this friending before I think little bits and pieces yeah okay Lucky for you, I have the memory of a goldfish, so um, I'm pretty much hearing this for the first time. Okay. So the friend I'll be talking about today is Frida Kahlo. Wow. Yeah, both rebellious, strong women. I'm so happy to have like an iconic woman who's not a singer because I feel like we, we've been really focused on the singers out there, so it's great to have Frida as an artist. Yes. I think my friend would have approved yeah. of Frida. So this is a story that uh, goes back to when I first came to Australia back in 89. We didn't know many people. Where did you come from? El Salvador. Yeah, there was a really bad civil war at the time. So Australia was accepting people to come restart their lives and we did. And how old were you? Uh, Five. Okay. Yeah, I was five. And there wasn't many Salvadorians. So... We kind of hung out with a group of different European backgrounds. So there was a lot of Portuguese, a lot of Italians, and we were kind of like in a religious group, we were kind of all put into this other people from other countries. And so I grew up with a whole heap of Portuguese families. That's where I met my friend. We grew up together. Everything we did with families, we didn't celebrate birthdays, but, you know, camping, going interstate, it was always those families together. She was a bit older than me and she kind of went off with the older kids and I hung out with the younger kids. How much older? Two or three years older than me. Mm -hmm. And her brother, on the other hand, was my age. We started dating as we got older, like, you know, this is now talking 19. And her and I became closer. And then as I started becoming more of an adult, I guess, you know, more in my 20s, I ended up moving in with her and her family. And she just took me in and saw me like a sister. Like we just became so incredibly close. But I always knew that she was a rebel. She was since from birth. I think she was just always the one that everybody, the black sheep, I guess, of the family. You know, she had cousins, but they were all naughty behind the scenes. Whereas she was very similar to me that if you're naughty, you're going to be naughty out there and everybody's going to see it, you know. And I think that's how her and I kind of bonded as well because we were like, we are what we are. We're not going to be this religious girl and then in the background be something totally different, you know. As she got older, obviously, she started 
doing a lot of drugs, prescription drugs. Mm. And I was always there to try and help her. But there was just no way. Like you couldn't stop it. She was just, she wouldn't tell you. And she'd just turn up and I'd ask her and she'd be like, yep. And I'd sometimes see her do it and I'm like, that's just, what are you doing, you know? But I dealt with it. I don't know how because most people, I've even got family that they'll push me to a point that I'm like, that's it. I can't like get out of my life, you know, like I can't, I don't have the time. I don't know why with her it was always a hundred times worse and I was okay with it. And that's why I know that it was different. There was something about her friendship that was so different. One thing I forgot to mention is that as close as her and I were, she lived quite far away from me. So going to visit her was a bit hard and she never really met my kids. And I think that wasn't a priority because there was so much in her life. It was just always chaos. I would go there. It would just mess me up so much. And then to come back home and be like, ah, that's not normal. This is just, just such a relief, you know. Did she have kids? So she ended up pregnant very young. They were together before 18. So they had a house and they had their daughter. There was always something there with her that she just wanted to leave and get out and at that stage as well I was also having issues you know being 19 out of school I was having issues with my life in my own family I wasn't too close to my mum we were arguing and I never thought I would run away from home and then one day I did I just packed up and I thought that's it enough's enough that's when I went to Frida's house and she took me in no job I had nothing when I was living with her with her family, her daughter was quite young. I used to look after her. We used to sit in the living room sometimes, just hearing her and her husband just yelling and arguing and things banging here, there and everywhere. And so I saw a lot that a lot of people didn't see. And that's why, in a way, her and I became really close because, and I would see her family, because I knew her family. They knew about it, but they weren't ever there. And I for some bizarre reason, every time I was there, it was always a big thing that happened. You know, at one point I remember she ordered drugs and I didn't know about it. She wouldn't tell me any of this. And then this random guy just turns up and I said, what was that? And she goes, oh, he's, you know, selling me. I'm like, oh, what are you doing? What are you doing? You're an idiot. And then within five minutes, her husband comes back they start a fighting match. He's arguing, why did you do? He walks off, slamming doors. She's there. She laughs about it to me. <laughs> and I'm just like, what is wrong with you? Her daughter and I always kind of, we saw everything. And I tried to keep her away from it sometimes. But sometimes you don't know what to do, especially when it's not your house. I knew that they both wouldn't get physical with me. But I was staying at their house. So they were doing me a favour. And so I couldn't really stop it because I knew how they dealt with each other. So it was hard. It was just really just sit there and not say anything. But this whole time, my friend took everything so lightly. They never physically hit each other, but it was just really bad. He would storm off. She would come back and, you know, oh, let's watch a movie. Let's do, <laughs> let's go to the shops. Yeah. You know, 
She was a very, very good shoplifter. <laughs> and I was never involved in this sort of stuff. But we would go to the shops and I'd just look at her and I'd be like, don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> and, you know, and yeah. it was without fail she would do it. It was bad. And that eventually caught up to her. Like eventually, you know, she did have to go do a bit of time. Right. Yeah. Okay, look, I'm talking a lot of the negative of her. But at the same time, she was just such a loving girl. Her brother and I ended up breaking up, but her and I became stronger. Like we were just like she would always say, you know, you're my sister. We just became so close. So was she still part of this religious community? Well, that's the thing about this religion. It's very, once you get into this group, it's almost like you can't really get out. Like you have to be a very strong person to kind of say, I'm going to get out because then everybody else won't talk to you. And, you know, at 19, it is hard to say, okay, I'm going to give everything up. Because you don't know anybody, you know, that's all yeah, you're used to. Your whole life has been with that circle, yeah. families and... Yeah. yeah, and so she was the same. She was in that circle. She was in between, always in between, like she's got to respect that religion. But then it was, she was just herself and did things against the religion, but still tried to make her parents happy by making them think that she was part of the religion, I guess. So when she got pregnant fairly young how was that received by her parents and in that community oh it was bad I remember her walking in pregnant and so she used to get the stares the people would talk about her and even me yes I remember even me I was like oh she's pregnant (laughs) sinner I was like wow you know because it's so they put that in your brain like me I think she kind of thought to herself well If that's how you're going to see me, I'm just going to be me, live my life. But she used to see them like a lot. A lot of their parties and their get-togethers, she was invited. And that's the thing with her is that she made friends like so easily. Everybody loved her. The young, old, everybody loved her. Yeah, she was a really likeable girl. But like I said, they saw all that and she was, she was great. But I saw that other side where I was like, this is too much. It was too much. I've had other friends that have put in so much to our friendship, but then there's certain things that I'll be like, no, that's it. And I'll cut them off. And it's so cold. I look back and I'm like, oh, that's horrible. But with her, she put me through, you know, I went to hell and back and I was still there. I wrote to her once. I said, you're an annoying shit, but you're my annoying shit, you know? It's hard to explain because normally, like I said, I'd shrug everybody off and say, no, that does my head in. I've gone to people's houses and, you know, when you get home and you're just like, that's it, I'm done. And I can't see that person because you know straight away that you're going to go there. It's going to mentally drain you. You can't even see properly because you're just, you've had enough of that person. Mm. She did the same thing to me. (laughs) You were bonded at quite a young age. Yeah, were there periods where you, you kind of lost touch a bit or didn't see There each was, other? but even but then we'd talk to each other again and it was back to just her and I. And I don't know whether sometimes I do think of this, whether it's because we were in our twenties, but every time we did see each other, we were just those little girls again. You know? Mm-hmm. We would do the silliest things and it was things that we brought onesies 
once upon a time and I was pregnant and we just... What's onesies? Oh, you know what the baby onesies? Like the, oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. And I was pregnant and she was like, she gained a bit of weight. And we're just looking at each other in the mirrors and we're like, we just look like Easter eggs right now. <laughs> and we're like, imagine if anybody saw us like this because we, we looked ridiculous. And she's like, there's no way I'd ever show this to anybody. I'm like, yeah, no. But look at us. That sister kind of relationship. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You, like you said, that bond that you just look at each other and you just know exactly what's going on. And that's how I knew that, you know, sometimes we'd go to the shops and I'd just look at her and I'd say, don't do it. And she'd just look at me and smile and I'd be like, oh, my God. So I just used to leave and then she'd get into the car and she's like, look at this. And I'm like, I don't want to know. But what do you do? Like I knew the whole, the entire friendship, I knew that there was nothing I could say to change her, nothing. And that's probably why I just went with it. She had gone to therapy. She'd gone to rehab centres and it just went back to the same thing once she got out. So I moved away about 45 minutes away from her. And it was harder to kind of see each other face to face. She did come to my house a few times for a sleepover. But then it kind of stopped because she didn't drive. And then her mother-in-law came to visit me one day. And she started talking to me about, oh, you know, Rita's doing well, but this and that. And I remember in this conversation, I didn't say anything more than what I should have said. So she went back and she just said, Cassidy said this about you, Frida. And then my friend messaged saying, why would you say that? Like, you know that her and I aren't close. Why would you do that? And I said, I didn't. You out of everybody should know that I would never do that to you. Like, I've never done that to you. So she got upset, but it wasn't a big fight. It was a little tiff. Did she believe you? Um, I don't think she did, no. But I thought, you know what, I'm not going to fight it. I'm just going to let her, I'm just going to say my piece, let it go, because... We'll go back to, you know, it could be two weeks or we won't talk, but then we'll get back to normal and talk again. Did that and didn't hear from her for a long time. Probably six months. And is that like the longest that you guys would have gone without talking? Because she was, she'd gone to jail for a while. She'd gone to rehab centres. I never knew when she was going to go missing. I just found out later on. She'd be like, oh, yeah, I was just in jail. Just got out of Just jail. got out. Just got out of rehab. Yeah, it was like that. And I was like, okay, thanks for letting me know. So I knew. I was like, you know, I'll hear from her once she gets out from wherever. She went to, I think it was rehab. She said to me, oh, yeah, you know, I went to rehab because I got my stomach pumped. And I was like, okay. What, had she tried to take her life? No, she just, she the way she used to take these tablets, prescription tablets, was I saw her do it once and I said to her, I never ever want to see. I said, if you ever do that in my house, I'd just get out. Like, don't, you know. And she would just giggle and look at me and be like, you won't do that. She knew that I wouldn't do that to her. It's so hard because I know what I sound like because I've had people talk about their friends that are like this and they're like, oh, they're just, you know, druggies and this. But she wasn't like that. She really wasn't. I never saw her as a druggie. Isn't that weird? You knew the full person. Like yeah. Know, the drugs yeah. were one aspect. Yeah. This whole other Yeah. Because the thing is that she was incredibly smart. Her memory, she could read a book and will tell you every single, let's say it was a medicine book, and will tell you everything, obviously, you know, the pills, but 
She and she would tell you exactly what everything was for. But even things like a dog book, for example, she would read it. I would open up a page and question her about a dog, a breed, a certain breed that I'd never heard of. And she would tell me everything about it. Describe it, everything. She was so smart. There were so many things that she had potential with and, you know, the drugs and the shoplifting just for her, it was just a priority. She started doing things like just would stay up all night, go to bed at about seven in the morning and then sleep to about three or four. Her life was becoming really sad. Everybody else would kind of take the kids to school and do it. Yeah. And her daughter was older by that stage. So she did a lot of the kids stuff. And so, but she loved her kids. I know that she did, right? I noticed a big decline in how she was doing things. I remember in the start, she was very house proud as well. You know, her house, she had to have this, she had to have that. It was really nice. As the years went on, it just, you know, things like mattresses on the floor and just, it was just, she just didn't care anymore. Everything was becoming dirtier and her husband was just becoming unhappier Everything was a bit chaos, but then when she saw me, we were just back to being those little kids. Mm. It was almost like an escape for her as well, that it was like, we're not adults, it's not talk about adult stuff, we're going to be kids and we're going to be just like, just, I don't know, just talk about anything that's tween or teen related. It was just innocent. And yeah, so. Did you guys ever talk <clears throat> about like, what was going on for her? Mm. Like, are you okay? You know, what happened to you? We did talk about that. She knew what was wrong, but she, it's like she didn't want to face it. She would say to me, I know that everybody would be better off without me here. And I'm like, no, you know, you've just, you've got to get up and do stuff and just, you know, and she's like, oh, I just can't be bothered. So, but she knew that it wasn't right but I don't think she was – I don't think she wanted to change or she couldn't change. I don't know what it was, to be honest. So I didn't hear from her for about six months. And then she she messaged again and she was upset that I told her mother-in-law all this stuff. And she said all these things which were wrong and we had a massive argument. I didn't hear from her for about a year after that. And then she messaged again and I think she had gone to jail <laughs> But then it was the same thing. It was, I said, you know, it didn't happen, blah, blah, blah. It was another message argument. And then I didn't hear from her for about uh, a year. About that same visit? Yes. By the mother-in-law? Yes. Right. Yep. She still held on to this grudge. So I was like, okay, just let it go. And it's funny because me, with everybody else, I wouldn't let that go. I would fight my point. <laughs> Whereas with her, I was like, okay, just you do you. Left it for about a year. Then I get a message from her saying, after thinking for a year, it wasn't you, it was me. I was just upset and, you know, she she said all these things and I believed her and I shouldn't have believed her. And so it was a big, beautiful apology. And I said to her, I'm like, you know, I was never angry with you. You know, you've always been my friend. I've always loved you. And it was great. We made up. And she was happy with that and we were talking, like texting, and it was just back to what we were. It was so beautiful. It was just amazing. I reckon about a month after that, we were still talking, you know, here and there, and it was great. And I said, look, I need to see you because I haven't seen you for ages. I want to organise all of the girls that 
grew up together in this religion. You know, they haven't seen her. I hadn't seen her. And I I was like, bring your daughter as well. Like, it's going to be great. The next morning, first thing, you know, you grab your phone. And on my Facebook, I started seeing her daughter posting all these things saying, you know, please don't tell me it's true, blah, 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 blah. After seeing a lot of messages, I thought, okay, something's going on. So I messaged my friend and I was like, what's going on? Is everything okay? Didn't get a response. And then I messaged the other girls that were coming. And then her daughter called me directly. And she said that throughout the night there was a house fire and her mum passed away. And I was like, is this for real? Like, and she was on the phone crying and she goes, yeah. It's true. Like I, that night, and I knew this, that night she was actually at her grandmother's house and there was just a house fire the night and it was all over the news. I was still in denial. I was like, nah, this is not real. You know, when they said on the news, it started in her room. I thought I pictured her room and I knew exactly what they were talking about. Got to the hospital, said the name and they said, yeah, her son's in this ward. So I went there still thinking, nah, nah, it's not her, it's not her. It was up until I got there and I saw the mother-in-law that came to my house that created the whole drama. And I saw the son and I, that's when it kind of hit me and I was like, fuck. So the reason why I say it's a weird friending is because looking at our last conversations, her and I, we were back to normal. But I don't know, like I left it because I thought that was the last thing that was going to happen and then just like that out of the blue she just was gone and I just out of everybody that I knew she was the one as messed up as she was the one that I could just be 100% me Mm -hmm. and tell her everything and she would tell me everything and just like that it went because of little things I think about that. And then the the conversations that we had, the last conversations that we had still irks me. Her last message to me was, if I die tomorrow, at least I know I got to see you again. But they don't think she meant to do it Mm. because they saw the connections in in her room and they said there was she'd kind of put all the connections together, mm. you know the adapters, mm-hmm. one against on top. Of, so they said that's where it started. So I don't think, and I've never ever thought that she did it intentionally. And plus, her son was home, and I know that she would never have done that intentionally with him there. But the fact that her last message was that, and I never replied to it. I never replied mm-hmm. to it. I never said any. I could have said something like, "Yeah, looking forward to seeing you." But I looked at that message and I thought, uh, because I was cleaning at the time and I thought, okay, I'll leave it. Like that's because we had messaged all day and I thought, I'll just leave it now and just Mm. keep doing what I'm doing. But now looking back, I'm like, it's just the fact that she said that, that was her last words to me. And then the next day it was just gone. Like I wish now, like I look back now and I think of the things that she's missed out on that I would have loved to have just put more effort in because although she was an effort, it wasn't an effort. Well, if you could be with her and 100% yourself. Yeah. That's huge. There's not many people we can yeah. feel that way about. Yeah. But I kind of, I look back now and I go, I should have just spoken. Just, I don't know. Because there wasn't a big fight. It wasn't, it was just a little tiff. Something so stupid and small. But I was like, uh, 
she's not going to die anytime soon, so I'm just going to let her take her time, you know? Yeah, that's how we operate with all our relationships. Like, yeah, yeah, we'll get there. There's yeah. time. We'll work it out. We'll have that chat. Yeah, and you kind of think, like, that to me was such a big wake-up call to kind of go, what more can you do with people that you like, <laughs> you know? So that time after the mother-in-law tried to sabotage. Yeah, that's what it was. That's what it was, yeah. And she and Frida believed her mother-in-law because she was kind of like, well, you did go there. You did talk to her and now she's saying all these things. What and But it was so minor, such a minor thing that we didn't talk for, like I said, it would have been six months and then we contacted each other just for a very brief period and then it would have been a year that then she contacted contacted me again and in that year was the friendship still kind of live for you or were you thinking oh we might not be friends after this but I'm going to give her space no see that's the thing I never ever thought we're not ever going to be friends because mm. like I saw her like family so to me it was just like ah, oh, you do you yeah I'm not going anywhere neither are you yeah 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 and then when everything was ready to be to go back to how it was like I was so excited for her to meet the kids you know I was so pumped like I had prepared so many things and looking forward to it and then to get that news first thing in the morning and then not just that so watching the news and seeing her photo Mm. and just they're plastering every going mother blah 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 and and then they used her photo from my wedding and I didn't even give that to them. And I just thought, wow, like how it's just so bizarre to see your friend. She was my bridesmaid. So she's there on the news with my the bridesmaid's dress. And I thought I was just, yeah. And I, when I saw it, just seeing her photo on the news, I was just, I broke down. And it was just, yeah, hard. But it kind of makes you think, you know, like should I be that petty and just why not just reply and just, you know. Yeah. But at her funeral, she just had so many people. She was a beautiful person. Like so, so many people loved her. You know, she was so, so loved. So sorry about what happened to her and and that you've lost this very special person in your life. Mm. And in that way as well. And, and at that time, mm. the timing. The timing. Yeah. I think I mentioned to you as well what happened that night. Did I tell you that? Tell me. So, as you know, I'm very spiritual. (laughs) And that night I remember waking up at about two in the morning. But you know when you wake up and you're awake but your eyes are closed? Mm. I woke up like that and I heard heavy footsteps coming up my steps really hard, like heavy, heavy, and they stopped right at my bedside. And I was, I remember my heart was pounding and I said to my husband, cause he got up, I said, did you hear that? Like, tell me it's not me. Like, what was that? I just heard something. I, I was scared of opening my eyes cause I knew somebody was there. And he was like, it was a dream. Just go to sleep. You're fine. I'm like, no, no, there was somebody, somebody was there panicking. Not one of the kids. No, no. Cause that's the thing in my house. I know the kids footsteps. Mm. Okay. Every time they come up, I know what they sound like, you know? And there's a very soft, this was a full on banging, 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 walking towards my room. And I heard, and I felt them stand right next to me, like right next to my bed. So I shrugged it off. Like, yeah, I was 
maybe it was me, whatever. And the next morning was when I went on my phone. And it was about that time mm. that she passed away. And that's the sort of thing that I go, is it a coincidence? Is mm. it? It's never happened since. Mm. Is it a coincidence that it happened to happen that day, that time? You know? Yeah. And at that time was when they would have been fighting the fires, you know? Mm. And then to get that the next morning, I did think to myself, oh, my goodness. Was it her? I don't know. The last message that I got from her, the fact that she said that and then hearing the footsteps, it's... Oh, my God. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us. That's all right. Sorry it wasn't much of a friending. It was a different sort of one. All kinds of friendings are lost in here. <laughs> no, it's, it's beautiful. But that was her and I accepted that. And isn't that what love really is? It's just that kind of radical acceptance mm. of just taking the good with the bad and just letting her be. Mm. Like, wouldn't you think, how many other people am I doing that to? Like, you know, the ones that I have a short fuse for. What if I give them a bit of a longer fuse? <laughs> you know? <laughs> has it made you rethink? It has, yeah, 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 it has. But I don't have the patience for other people. <laughs> So even even after reflecting on freedom? Yeah. yeah. And yeah. it's because I don't, like, that's what I mean. Like, why is it that some people you've got that short fuse for? And why is that there's other people that they are the way they are and you're just either yes or no? But do we have to have that for everybody? I mean, at the end of the day, it is about where you want to direct your energy, mm. right? You've got a finite amount of time and energy mm. in your day and I think it does make sense to want to direct it to people who don't drain you that's have you ever had people that kind of want to spend more time with you and they're being nice and they're trying and what do you do then <laughs> so, <laughs> is this getting into something is this, is this something that happens to you a lot where people are just like come on Kesk let's yes, go out. yeah I want to see more of you yeah it's so in demand it's because you're just so lovely no but I'll be like uh <laughs> Sorry, Sabina. (laughs) How amazing is Kessia? To be able to recount that story of a friendship, which really spanned most of her life, and for it to end so tragically, but still, I don't know, somehow maintain that lightness and joy in the telling. It seemed to me that what Kessia was wrestling with most was that period between the rupture instigated by the gossiping mother-in-law and then when she reconnected with her friend. And that spanned close to three years. And then they only had two weeks before the fire. I guess it's that kind of wondering, you know, all the things that weren't said and done in that time and just taking time for granted. And we all do that, right? We just think there's plenty of time and even in situations where... There hasn't been a friending as such, but where there's just a kind of strain in the relationship where we're technically still friends, but things aren't quite right. Maybe there's things that are unsaid or unresolved and we just put it off. And so maybe this is a good reminder to have those conversations and make things right with our friends and all the people in our lives. And what Cassia said about affording some people a longer fuse or, you know, more grace than others... I think that's the natural sort of prioritization that we end up doing in our lives. But 
I still don't know how I feel about just writing people off. It just doesn't sit right. Again, it's that accounting language almost, you know, writing off a loss to square the books, reducing people to those economic terms. It feels kind of gross. Kessia shared with me later that there was a major childhood trauma that Frida suffered, which Kess didn't want to get into for the show, but it goes a long way towards explaining Frida's behaviour, her choices and her substance abuse, and how when she saw Kess, it was all about reverting back to being that little girl again, you know, to a time before the trauma occurred. Something to keep in mind when we're deciding how much grace to afford people, since you never really know someone's full story. So that's it from me for now. It was a bit of a different friending, as Kess said, and I'm so grateful because I can only imagine what it took for her to revisit that for us. Thanks again for listening. Thanks for being a friend of the show. Tune in next week for a fresh friendings drop, which will be another guest share. Woohoo! I will catch you then. Friendings has been created by me, Sabina Shah, on Paramount Country. Writing, production and sound engineering also by yours truly. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, rate and review or tell your friends about it. It really helps, so thank you for that. Feel free to get in touch via Instagram at friendings.show. Whoa.